I used to run restaurants and uh, once one of my niece came to my restaurant and that day uh, my waiters were missing so I was doing a waiter's job I was with a notepad and taking orders and she's saying mama what are you doing you are doing a waiter's job you studied at IIT and you are a waiter out here I said buddy that's what our work is all about right as an entrepreneur it's not that uh, this is a realistic picture of a restaurant uh, this is not uh, about just sitting and collecting cash and ordering people right Welcome to Next Big Watt Radio, where one of India's longest-running media platforms documenting startups, technology, product, and digital transformation. We bring multiple lenses to entrepreneurship, scaling businesses, mindfulness, and much more. Our mission and mantra is singular: build, grow, repeat. Welcome to the Ashish Sinha Show. Our guest for this episode is Bal Krishna Birla, a man with an incredibly diverse resume and range of interests. As the co-founder of Ask Lela and Zopnow, he has been involved at the highest levels of tech. But along with his music group, Bhule Bisre Geet, and poetry, he's no slouch when it comes to the arts either. Birla has had varied business interests throughout his career, and is quite the storehouse of entrepreneurial and startup wisdom. In this interview with Ashish Sena, founder and CEO of NextBigWatt, you will hear about the successes and failures that Bidla has dealt with in his career. His advice to Indian startups and how entrepreneurs should steel themselves life's ups and downs. The core theme, core idea behind this is to demystify entrepreneurship and essentially talk about the 99% of the startups. You know, so uh, and and basically uh, one of the core focus for us also is to uh, really give you perspective from real world entrepreneurs you know who have gone after value and not just valuation so today we have birla uh, hello sir <laughs> so uh, so birla why don't we start with an introduction of yourself because you've been sure 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 you know your i remember seeing your facebook page you know it's like Work that this is this is in a sort of long list. Right, right. So I graduated from IIT Kanpur in uh, way back in 1995. Uh, graduated with great difficulty. Sometimes it was tough to figure out whether it's tough to get into IIT or get out of <laughs> IIT. But anyway, I graduated and thankfully Infosys used to hire in truckloads those times. So joined Infosys, worked with Infosys till uh, 2004. and then i was part of the early amazon team uh, amazon was setting up a shop in india that time so i used to head the amazon associates team in india built uh, two three different products with amazon and uh, the fun part was that the first product i built at amazon that got scrapped after we spent three months in a conference room trying to build something interesting in social networking space but anyway i think the idea was uh, when that got shut down we just restarted so 2006 is roughly when i started my entrepreneurship journey and uh, unlike a lot of people i was more of a parallel entrepreneur than a serial entrepreneur so primarily started with uh, two ventures askela uh, was one of them and then i started a chain of restaurants in south bangalore yeah. so 2006 onwards i have been running ventures in fairly diverse spaces primarily around my three interest areas which is uh, food music and technology and uh, 
so yeah those are the areas which i have worked extensively on have worked on both commercial as well as non commercial ventures and somehow i think uh, i think opposed to my marwadi roots i think the non commercial ventures have been the most satisfying part of this journey yeah i think uh, you're also involved with bbg i mean you started the whole concept right uh, so and both of your tech ventures uh, mm -hmm. ask lela you know and so basically they they raised money right, right. you know so uh, but somewhere you also didn't take it to the next level right. right so so what has been your experience i mean now when you look back right, right. Uh, what is your i mean sorry for asking a very boring question but uh, what is your you know advice to the x years 78 years old you know <laughs> uh bella uh look i think uh, one thing is the uh, one thing which i have learned as a entrepreneur is figuring out look what is happening is that we are reading lot of media we are reading about lot of uh, rock stars of the startup ecosystem but i think one thing which all of us need to understand is what what do i want i think nowadays what is happening is and this is not just happening at a kids level means i have teenage kids who get impacted by what their classmates do but then there are grown up adults who pass out of iits and iims they actually go through the same cycle themselves where they get impacted by all the media stories all the you know rock star all the startup events they attend but i think for me the biggest part has been figuring out what i want to do and that is independent of what other guy wants to do okay so i think that has been my biggest lesson to myself that you know go on that inward journey you know this is like sometimes sometimes you have like i have a lot of kids in the family they ask which field is best okay where do you get that i'm sure you would have got those questions as well right that is doing uh, java programming better or sap better or whatever right okay but then you tell people it's not about which field is best it's about what you are interested in doing so i think that's a journey which which in my opinion is the most important part it's also part. difficult to really you know figure out what you are interested in for majority of indians when you know listening to music and <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, writing is is the common hobby you right, know right. so uh, what would you advise say a teen you know mm. kid uh, to really go about figuring out you know what do they really want to so I'll tell you there are two parts of this question which I feel are important. One part is that look for example my dad was in a public uh, you know PWD job he started with that he ended with that career. Right so all his life the only thing he was he has done is PWD construction all that stuff right he has made bridges he has done all those things. But I don't think that's going to happen with youngsters right now. they are going to pursue 10 different things at different points yeah. in their life that is the first part the second part is in my opinion the earlier you go in your life if you go back to your childhood and think through what interested you at that point you are less corrupted by society at that point mm -hmm. as you keep growing so i always whenever i meet youngsters i tell them just think through what were you thinking of life when you were 5 year old i know chocolates were higher on your agenda whatever but then what did you enjoy doing in those age the other thing which i always tell most of the teenagers is that each profession has a perceived version and then there is a realistic version okay 
So for example, I used to run restaurants and uh, once one of my niece came to my restaurant and that day uh, my waiters were missing. So I was doing a waiter's job. I was with a notepad and taking orders. And she's saying, Mama, what are you doing? You are doing a waiter's job. You studied at IIT and you are a waiter out here. I said, buddy, that's what our work is all about, right? As an entrepreneur, it's not that uh, this is a realistic picture of a restaurant. Uh, this is not uh, about just sitting and collecting cash and ordering people, right? So a lot of people have this disconnect. So what I always tell most of the teenagers is if you want to pursue something, please go and meet at least five people, okay, who are doing that so that you are not influenced by the other teenagers who are equally clueless, right? So that, that's, these are the things which I have uh, seen, which, which make, make these, you know, perspectives more realistic for people. Yeah, yeah. I think media plays a huge role in this because media loves to, you know, bring those stories uh, like more valuation, less value. <laughs> no, media, I think, uh, look, I, I think I was discussing with some friend that media's primarily job is to make heroes and villains out of everybody. Right. And if you look at all forms of media, either social media or, you know, print media, that's what they end up doing, right? Either somebody is a clear villain, somebody is a clear hero. And uh, yeah, so that's why I think a lot of people and now if you build your perspectives via media consumption, you end up building those uh, either you are with us or you are with them type of perspectives. So, so when you look at the founders these days, you know, who are raising, you know, truckloads of money. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you look at the whole thing in terms of value creation, valuation? What is, what is it that you appreciate and you think that this is also dangerous? Look, what I appreciate few things in founders nowadays is one thing I, I love to see younger founders. Yeah. Lot of us did a long enough corporate stint before we could uh, exactly. gather courage to start something. I think that is something really nice when I see 22 year olds, 23 year olds starting companies. Awesome thing for as a culture for us. Uh, I think the other part which uh, I think a lot of founders, look this comes with obviously a caveat that a uh, lot of people are not really ready in terms of managing a company. Mm -hmm. But then that's fine. I think that's something some people have learnt on the job and things like that. As far as funding is concerned, I think funding is very lopsided, right? It's pretty much the 80-20 rule. I think in startups, it might be 199, 1% of the companies are probably raising 99%. I think you'll have those numbers better, right? So I think uh, there is a tons of founders which are, who are in that struggling mode, who are trying to raise money, trying to make ends meet, making those sacrifices, uh, you know, but I think it's a very lopsided word as far as funded startups is concerned. I think a lot of media reports, big numbers, but what they don't tell you is what the distribution of those numbers is, right? Who's, who's getting that funding? Typically, it's two, three companies which are actually taking uh, pretty much a large chunk of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and I think a uh, lot of founders also go through this whole understanding of the new world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that now I've raised money, how do I build a team? How do I even, you know, create relationships with, with right. the team? Right. You know, so, uh, so I think one of the things which I also wanted to talk about was the, the entire Zopnow experience, right? right. You know, uh, I mean, you have laughed about it, right. <laughs> you know, so, but 
I think it's it's really important for a lot of people, lot of founders, entrepreneurs out there, right. and even teams out there True. to understand what happens between founders. Uh, how did you handle this? So yeah, so I think uh, one thing is that a lot of times media paints a very rosy picture about uh, you know uh, about entrepreneurship, but I think it's a good idea that we have open conversations about the dark side of entrepreneurship as yeah. well. And I have gone through, I would say, enough dark experiences myself. Zop now is probably the more well-known one. But I think one thing I realized during Zop now, look, this uh, uh, for those who don't know, I got fired off my what I call as Steve Jobs moment of my thanks to Steve Jobs, he gave a nice name to this entire <laughs> moment. So in 2013 on uh, 20th August, I got fired from my own company. Uh, let's let's put it past that why that happened. That's a separate story. But uh, look, the interesting part was that uh, what I realized was it is not a very good idea to define your existence by just one dimension. So when this happened on 20th August, I was supposed to do a music show for our uh, Indian Air Force in Jodhpur on 24th August. And on 24th August, I was on stage dancing in front of a crowd of around 2000 soldiers. And trust me, that that meant a whole lot of work for me, right? It's typically, when you go through such experiences, I've heard of founders going through a depression phase or whatever, you know, things, things, different things happen. But I knew it very clear that my priority at that point was that can I, I have to put my best foot forward in front of those soldiers who do so much for us, right? So I was actually traveling to Jodhpur and... Uh, uh, me and uh, another friend, we were cracking jokes to soldiers, all those things. So what, I, what I've realized is that one thing people should understand is that uh, startup journey can have a lot of dark lanes. There are a lot of dark tunnels out there. Yeah. And uh, that is why it's even more important for you to be clear to yourself, why are you signing up for hardships, yeah. right? So I think, uh, I know media is great at making, uh, you know, talking about all the success stories, grand offices and millions people raise. But uh, I think a lot more entrepreneurs should come out openly and talk about the failures they have gone through as well so that people get a more realistic picture of startups, not yeah. just one side of it. So I think in India, failure is still a very tabooed word, right? You know, so nobody wants to you know, even openly admit that, you know, I have failed. Right. right or or you know uh, because I mean I, I speak to a lot of founders and uh, the 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 so so there is a way to put it that you know in front of media and everybody mm -hmm. people will say that you know uh, you know I mean it was not really a failure we just did A B C D you know so mm -hmm. so the whole acceptance uh, mm -hmm. is not there it's fine you know if it's in public domain mm -hmm. because that also impacts a lot of your next fundraising plans and etc etc right uh, but internally do we even you know internalize the fact that you know i have failed and uh, it's all right right i think this is a fairly i would say a cultural problem in india i mean now i'm a parent you know all parents want their kids should not fail and uh, yeah. and this is telling you personally i this is a very recent conversation my daughter actually failed in maths and she told me only, <laughs> she was too scared to tell anybody else. And then one thing which I told her first thing was, forget what happens in your life. 
good decision bad decision you should understand parents are with you right that is the most yeah, yeah. important part of it but i think in most of our society the culture is that even kids are scared to tell their parents that we have failed right so i think that is the circle of competitiveness and i find it very funny especially in indian context because in india so for example if tomorrow i don't have any money or anything i know my brothers sisters uncle aunts everybody is there to help out we have a family system by which that happens right it's not that people will just drop the ball on me and say okay your life you manage it right so we have all those backup systems in india and uh, even then we are so scared of accepting failures i think kids should be taught that some of these things cannot be taught when you grow up yeah. i think some of these things should be taught you know much earlier in your life okay because that's where you can uh, you know understand or uh, you can imbibe these things much better yeah i think um, a lot of it is also a function of you know your school your your right. friend circles right uh, because if everybody is trying to act you know uh, extremely ambitious right. you know and in reality they may not be but everybody is forced by parents right you know so so that is what i, I also see and right. i'm like you know even my kid actually didn't do well in maths <laughs> 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 and I, i i actually taught him so you know <laughs> different story but uh, uh typically uh, when you when you look at founders right so uh, now what's happening is that lot of young founders are starting up which is awesome because you know they have great ideas they are doing great uh, they have great product ideas uh, and they are solving some real problem statements also you know uh, but there's a whole pressure of uh, fundraising being seen as a rock star you know so uh, i mean the, the the flip side of this is also that uh, earlier you know in our college days and all you know people used to learn guitar to impress <laughs> others now we are starting so up this is is to impress others right right, right. Uh, this is not very healthy but at the same time uh, uh, it also takes a personal toll right you know so uh, and and you have recently gone through a lot you know so so would, would love to hear how has your perspective changed right right yeah so i went through a open heart surgery recently and uh, it was a fairly you know surprising for all of us that i had to yeah, go through yeah. that and uh, i think few perspectives change uh, during this entire process for me one thing was that i think uh, death is something which we all of us know that will come but uh, we assume that it's far away for me yeah. right i think that's a basic assumption which all of us live with so when you see that in face you that humbles you down that that just puts things in perspective that uh, you know this might be my last day this might be my last minute right so i think that's a very uh, humbling experience the second part is i think you realize that the people around you how much they I means i was surrounded by i would say a ocean of love by so many people just not just from the industry personal family. life my family and uh, you know all my brother sisters who live in delhi they just parked here in hospital for few weeks so so i think that was one uh, amazing part of that and yeah i think uh, it also tells you that uh, define your life via different dimensions not don't have a unidimensional life yeah. sometimes lot of this uh, instagram facebook culture uh, you know basically uh, 
makes you optimize your life for uh, likes and uh, shares right but uh, there is life beyond a lot of these uh, virtual parameters so i think that whole understanding became much more uh, clearer to me as part of this process uh, but i think uh, i think that is that is something important for entrepreneurs to understand i have seen a lot of entrepreneurs who get consumed by their idea mm. and it sounds very romantic that you know uh, finally understand one thing and this is something i tell every entrepreneur whatever business you are running you are finally doing a selfish enterprise for your gain right that is what entrepreneurship is about you are not a social worker uh, you know you are not like somebody who is trying to change lives of tribals living in bihar mm-hmm. that's a different job profile altogether hats off to the guys who are able to do that so understand it's a selfish enterprise what you are running so just try to grow other dimensions of your life which 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 will make you feel more satisfied and which will make you feel uh, you know more more accomplished in your life and but i think typically again the instagram generation right you know so mm. uh, it becomes very difficult so for example you've had many hobbies mm. music especially right, right. Uh, nowadays so, so if you look at it everybody is trying to win on twitter or instagram or facebook mm. you know uh, and unfortunately the role models in the ecosystem globally not just india mm-hmm. are people who are winning on these mm-hmm. you know they are raising money they are also winning on twitter instagram facebook and all that right so how can one even think of different dimensions when you know that this is the only thing which wins everything right. i think the answer to that is very simple what is victory mean is something you have to define for yourself if you are trying to define your victory by a parameter chosen by somebody else or society for you you'll always be, so then you can always define a framework in which you will be winner or you can be utter failure right so i think that is a internal journey you have to take and define what does it mean for me and uh, it's just to give you a very simple example so i have a lot of backgrounds in uh, payments okay so i have done uh, verified by visa product for example long time back this is almost i think 20 years back so when i was trying to raise money for a b2c company i think during zopnow times uh, some of the investors said why don't you do a payment business i said buddy the dynamics is different i have an idea i am trying to raise money for that not the other way around that okay you know this is money and do this idea right so what i'm saying is that entrepreneurs do need that bit of clarity in their mind that this is what we want to do and uh, then then pursue that because otherwise you just keep right I, i think right now what, what what is happening is that okay so investors are investing in fintech i'll do a fintech startup right so uh, while you were probably good at say enterprise okay. software right so so i think that is where you know uh, some call it chance for dance but right. uh, <laughs> you know i mean it, it's it's happening and uh, some people do get a good exit you know if they time it very well uh, it takes a lot of smarts to you know do that but 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 but, but i guess uh, in general it's a very uh, you know scary culture also right you know? i think a lot of founders are trying to so this is another thing which i find now is that there are different levels of success definition as well so at some point setting up a profitable company was 
considered as the thing to do. Uh, the second point is, can I make it profitable for myself? Right. <laughs> so that is that is something uh, you know which is becoming more and more fashionable. So what I see is that currently most of the entrepreneurs, most of the startups you come across, uh, are guys who have made it work for themselves. Not really that they have been able to set up a successful business. The other aspect which I think is totally missing out of Indian startup ecosystem. So a lot of us come from a service industry background. I've worked in Infosys for nine years, worked on all types of maintenance, Y2K, all types of projects. So one thing which used to excite us was, can I do interesting work? Because we were doing quite boring work in some patches of our life, right? So that part I see totally missing in a lot of entrepreneurs that there might be a problem which is maybe doesn't have funding there. Maybe doesn't have, uh, you know, all the, you know, bells and whistles of so society approval. Yeah. But is it an interesting technical problem to solve? I think that question is being asked by very less number of entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think there was this whole geeking culture, the hacking culture of, you know, let's create a quick product and, you know, make it, you know, live, right? I think that is missing because now everybody is taking themselves too seriously. You know, so uh, you don't see a lot of random hacks, right. you know, uh, in, in fact, I remember in 2010, 11, 12 and all that, you know, people used to do a lot of random products, right. which, which probably didn't, you know, which never had any business model. Mm -hmm. uh, they were just great, you know, ideas, you know, I, I remember some of it was Chrome extension would just, it will just compare Flipkart, Amazon right. pricing and all and suddenly it becomes a startup, right? So. So I think that culture is uh, largely missing now because yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody is like too serious about money, fundraising, you know. So, so before startup, the whole question is, okay, will I be able to raise money for this? Actually, I think sometimes culture is also said. So this is a question I mentor a lot of startups and one kid from ID Kanpur once came to my office and he was trying to sell some item X in Y category type of e-commerce startups, right? There's, so I asked him that, uh, look, you're a, you have a, and I asked him, what did you do in college and all that stuff? And then I said, you have a, you know, deep technical background. Why do you want to do e-commerce? So he actually gave me a very honest answer. He said, look, when we woke up in this industry, we were just seeing e-commerce startups do, being all over the place. So our role models were those people. Our role model was not a techie guy who had, you know, built some core algorithms or written some, uh, either written Linux or something like that, something very fundamental, right? So our role models have been people who have raised huge amount of money and have sold, uh, you know, have scaled largely loss-making companies. Those are the typical role models in our industry. So sometimes I don't blame these kids because that's the environment they have woken up into and uh, that's what they end up following. So, so yeah, I think uh, but fundamentally you can't really change it now. No, I think it's, it's it can be changed. It's, I think it's all a matter of role models, right? Means Virat Kohli has set the role model for Indian cricket team. Sometimes it's just a single individual. I think eating a lot of biryani was acceptable in Indian cricket team five years back. <laughs> Virat Kohli has just changed it, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes it's just few individuals we need to see and media needs to do that as well, right? Media needs to, you know, make sure that we publish stories of good deep tech entrepreneurs in our industry, not just people who have uh, created companies which are like too large to fail type of scenarios, yeah. Yeah. right?
Yeah, and I, th I think uh, so. Going back to the the, the fundamentals, uh, uh, when when you know, so so when it comes to say startups, right? So now uh, you are seeing so many startups. You have done two startups. Uh, how do you you know? Let's say when you, you are starting again, you know. So uh, how do you change now? You know, what are the things you would change now in terms of what you did earlier mm -hmm. and what you what you're doing now? I think uh, for me, uh, the biggest change which I would, if I, if I could do in my life was actually to do a deep tech startup seriously. I think that is one thing which uh, I have realized after, uh, you know, years of working in technology, marketing and all those things. I think I also asked myself the question, what do I enjoy most? Mm -hmm. And uh, what I realized was that actually writing code and doing deep tech work is what I enjoy most. So yeah, if I could change something for myself. It will be doing core deep tech startups, which are about uh, algorithmic ideas, which are around uh, building some core technology, not really around selling uh, X to Y at uh, price arbitrage, right? Yeah. So, so that would be. There's also a whole question around, you know, who needs these kind of ideas, you know, uh, are there you know, market opportunities? So in my opinion that these opportunities do exist. The only thing is that, uh, so this is another perspective which I got from somebody, I think from Israel, I think. I, I remember talking to somebody out there. He said Indians are born with 1 billion people in front of them when from their birth time, right? So there are a lot of countries which are much smaller in nature. Yeah. So Indians have a tendency that, yeah, I'll make X, sell it at Y price, make Z profit and yeah. sell it to 1 billion people, right? So that becomes a default mentality. But let's say you are born in a country which has only few million people. Okay, then your thought process is very different. Can I make a core tech product which is scalable worldwide or not? Right. So I think uh, that mentality for us in some way, uh, you know, comes from our our social context as well. Very interesting, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you look at it, uh, so we are a tradi so traditionally uh, we are we've been a services economy. And if you, even if you look at current generation of startups, so 90% of them are services companies. So, you know, um, food delivery is a services business. You know, uh, app is just the front end, right? Yeah. So I think look, one thing which happens in our startups is tech as an enabler and tech as a business are two different category of startups. So most of the startups we have in India right now, where tech is used as an enabler, tech is not the business. Yeah. You can call them by any name, you can call it food tech or uh, finally they are not tech companies, they are using tech as mechanism to improve some processes. Yeah, Yeah. so, uh, so talking about again, uh, I think uh, uh, one of the core things we, which we really uh, focus on as part of this entire show is to really talk about the failures and, and essentially how do you deal with you know, setbacks, right? right? Because uh, I mean, the way I look at it is, one person startups are like hugely successful. They raise you know fifty million dollars without a product, and ninety-nine percent of startups they've got a great product, great team, right. but they don't raise. They're not really that successful. So, right. if you belong to ninety-nine percent of those startups, you know, uh, traditionally, essentially, you're dealing with a lot of failures right. you know uh, failure to hire people because you know you're not you've not raised a lot of money and right. you can't afford great talent 
Right. So you are always doing jugad, right? So, but uh, fundamentally, how do you deal with failure? You know, uh, and let's say you know if somebody is 22 years old, uh, has not seen you know a lot of things. So how do you deal at that point in time? I think one of the first and foremost things you should always do in your life, entrepreneur or not entrepreneur, is that you should figure out by the time you are 18, 20, you should at least figure out a bunch of three, four guys or girls who you are going to hang around with the rest of your life. Yeah. Okay, people you are close to, people you are, you know, they, they have a standard definition of a best friend, right? Somebody who can blackmail you based on stuff he knows about you, but he doesn't, right? That's the definition of a friend, right? So you should have a bunch of those guys or girls around you who you can uh, sort of... Uh, and then the, I think the other aspect which is important is don't try to define yourself by a, you know, I, don't try to define yourself either by a single failure or single aspect of your life. The third thing which I have found very, you know, enriching at least in, in my personal experiences is that sometimes working with a slightly broader society uh, brings you across to people who are, uh, you know, much less privileged than you. Is just to give you an example, this Diwali, we were doing a show in a girl's home in Jalhali. And uh, we had carried all for Diwali, we had carried frocks for all the girls there. And then we suddenly see that there are some kids, four or five kids, who are like, uh, who are actually guys. And we just asked them, look, we, we brought only frocks, we didn't bring anything for the guys. So what the staff told her, there was that uh, actually those kids are girls. It's just that the clothes we get, sometimes you get guys clothes, somebody has to wear it. Mm -hmm. So they are wearing and most of us have teenagers at home who will have a full cupboard of clothes and they'll say, I don't have enough to wear, I'm yeah. confused what to wear. But what I'm saying is that sometimes these type of experiences put that life in perspective, yeah. right? It allows you to understand that overall, in the overall context of the society, there are uh, enough privileges you already have. So I think that those are the few things which, in my opinion, enable you to handle failure much better. Fundamentally, um, how do you view life and, and in general, I mean, how do you take things lightly now? Uh, oh, yeah. So I think, uh, I think uh, writing a lot of, I personally do it via PJs and curse words are, I think, two biggest uh, ways to decongest yourself. Uh, curse words, obviously, you don't speak publicly anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You use them more in college life. Uh, but I think uh, humor is actually a great, uh, great way to, uh, you know, in fact, um, this is very funny and I would like to share this is, so I was in hospital for a long enough time and in hospital, I can't move around, you know, I was like totally on bed. So finally, I ended up writing a script which is a funny take on heart surgery. So hopefully it will come up as a stand-up gig somewhere. But uh, what I realized was that that entire experience of writing your experience and these are fairly sometimes painful experiences. But just looking at, you know, finding humor in them, I think enabled me to personally handle them much better. And hopefully at some point it will make others also laugh. Uh, so I think uh, it's, it's more about a perspective towards the same problem. I think uh, uh, all of us go through those dark alleys in our life. But I think if you have a perspective of uh, trying to not take yourself too seriously or, uh, you know, there are few books which have actually helped me a lot in understanding some of these things. And I recommend them to, I think one of this is, writer I am extremely amazed by is Yuval Noah Harari, right? 
his books like sapiens and all they they just put the entire humanity and all the things which we have done in a broad context and uh, i think i think it, it's great to read some of those things and and uh, yeah sapiens learn those things makes you you know realize that you are nothing exactly exactly <laughs> i think uh, i think i mean the more i read it i have not yet finished it okay okay uh, i read it like every now and then and okay, okay. Uh, but the more i read it i feel you know yeah yeah it just puts things in context yeah. so let go of your ego let go of, you know, exactly i think uh, and i think interacting with lot of people who are you know more uh, one of the places which i recommend lot of my friends to is uh, in fact two places i would say in bangalore there's a place called karuna shrey which basically deals with the terminally ill cancer patient so these are people who are basically have you know one two month of their life left right we have done a lot of music shows for them so we know them well very just puts your life in perspective yeah. there's another ngo called swanthana which deals with a lot of kids with multiple girls with multiple disabilities so when you visit those places what you realize is that what you are leading is a fairly privileged life mm. okay so i think uh, seeing having such experiences in life also just helps you in putting your your own self in better perspective yeah yeah cool pretty much that's that's pretty much so <laughs> thank you ashish thanks thanks for uh, coming over yeah nice to catch up again and cool. uh, talk about all this thank you thank you for listening to this episode on next big what radio do check out our other content that is sure to give you some actionable insights Make sure to follow us and do share with friends if you enjoyed this.